the fire within podcast you need a sustainable plan the right mindset and the knowledge and inspiration to stoke the fire within just like the phoenix you can burn your old habits never turn back and emerge completely anew there are no shortcuts welcome fire within nation this is the fire within podcast where we talk about all things health fitness and nutrition related i'm your host brandon with my co-host joe hello and today we have a special guest her name is alex anderson hi alex Hey guys, thanks for having me. Alex is a attorney, uh, does commercial litigation. Did I say that right? That's correct. And cool. construction litigation as well. Hey, cool. And I've had the pleasure of working with you for what, five years? Something like that. It's been a lot of fun over the years. Oh yeah. Ups and downs, babies, all kinds. Yeah. Oh, baby. Different uh, phases of life. So if we sound a little sniffly on the show, uh, we all chowed down on some Chipotle. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. This is sure running now. Sniffle free. I've been training for this my whole life. <laughs> and I do think there are healthier options at Chipotle since this is a health, nutrition, and fitness podcast. We don't have any sponsorship from them yet, but hey, any of you Chipotle executives, if, if we can uh, get on your list there. But no, I, I like that. They may even pressure cook their rice and beans, but I'm not sure. I'll have to look into that. Yeah, I tried their uh, the, the dressing for the first time today. It was delicious. Yeah, and I think it's it's a good oil. I think it's olive oil, like maybe some honey and some spices. If you're looking for a quick meal on the go that doesn't completely destroy your health, the Chipotle may be a good option. Now, we were talking about as we were sniffling, there, there's this hot chip challenge where it's one singular chip coated in like Carolina Reaper and ghost pepper powder and it. You wear gloves and you have to not take a sip of water for 10 minutes. I think that'd be fun to do. Them. 10 minutes. Yeah, 10 minutes. So that's to pass the challenge? That's to pass the challenge. Well, it, and depending on how long you go, you get a different rating. And you could, there's a bunch of months fun. I got to say, it'll be interesting to see how 10 different people react. It's a little <laughs> different. Sorry, I can't do it. The chip contains blue corn. So oh, that's right. Corn <laughs> is against what we uh, advocate for on the show. So uh, you're safe this time. Blue corn, sunflower, sapphire oil, and uh, Carolina Reaper. So you can buy the chip. In a pack <laughs> off of Amazon for 13 bucks. For one chip. I think it's one chip. Yeah. One chip. It's a very valuable chip. World's yeah. hottest chip. Yeah. That'd be fun. If your chip breaks in shipping. That'd be upsetting. <laughs> yeah. And you have more than one chip. Yeah. We should definitely do this on the show. Oh, that chip looks like it's like demon possessed. Like I'm looking at it on Amazon. It doesn't look like a chip. It looks like red mud from Texas just in the ether in some kind of... Dark video game. <laughs> <laughs> It'll attack you. It'll attack your colon, too. <laughs> It'll be rough on the way out. So on that note, <laughs> uh, we thought it would be fun to talk about. So when you were having Everett, we had all kinds of nutrition challenges, particularly, and how you were feeling. I thought it'd be fun to talk about some of the challenges expecting mothers might have to look forward to. Yeah, it's important to keep in mind that everybody's experience is very different. And I think that mine is certainly an experience that a lot of women have. But, and I actually had the case of that there was very few foods I, I was able to eat. And I think a lot of moms are the other way around. Just let's keep in mind it's one story, but there are certainly a lot of challenges. One point, I think we were down to like crackers were okay sometimes. And that was pretty yeah. much it. <laughs> and just going into it, you and I have been working together for a few years. Initially, we started off working on both fitness and nutrition. And we had nutrition dropped off because I got pretty good at it. And I uh, kept up with the fitness. And at, around the time that I was getting that I got pregnant, 
we started talking about nutrition again and eliminating corn, grain, wheat, and, and dairy. And so we were starting that process and had just discussed it. You know, I was excited about this new faith, had new fitness goals, and we were doing a lot of weight training. And one day I woke up feeling very nauseous. And so I just assumed it was a stomach bug. Eventually it went away that day. And the following morning, got feeling really nauseous again. <laughs> and about 10 days later, I said, this is something like, like a morning illness of some sort. <laughs> so weird. And then I had this weird connection in my head. Wait a second. Morning sickness. Isn't that a symptom of something? You ended up finding up really early on in my process that I was pregnant and, and being a major part of helping me figure out what to eat because there was very few things I think around six weeks pregnant, I was driving home from work and just had this thought about chicken and decided I really just hate the thought of chicken. And my husband happened to make chicken that day and I, 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 I couldn't stand the smell. I couldn't stand the taste. And soon thereafter, I had to eliminate just about all foods with the exception of white bread, crackers, and cheese. <laughs> All three on the no-go list. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's common with pregnancy to have these food aversions. And I haven't done extensive research into why, but I know as a baby's developing, it's taking a lot of your nutrients. And we know, especially with zinc deficiency, a smell and, and taste acuity changes. I'm just curious. I haven't researched this yet, but I wonder how much of it was Everett's fault. Anyways. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and what the kicker is, if you supplement with zinc, it, it can cause nausea. So what do you do? We were at the point where even taking vitamins was tough. I, I made sure that I could get them down because I knew it was so important, but that would make me nauseous in itself. Yeah. And I got to say, it was very frustrating because we were restarting this new phase of fitness and nutrition. And all of a sudden, I had to do the complete opposite of what we had discussed. Yeah, because at that time, it was the no-go list or you weren't able to keep anything Exactly. And, and the ironic part is that at, prior to getting pregnant, I didn't eat much bread, didn't necessarily love bread, and I didn't eat much cheese. In fact, very little, if any. Yeah, so something happens. I don't know if it's also like a gut flora change. How long did this food aversion period last for you? So it was actually very interesting. It lasted through my 14th week. And then very slowly, certain foods became acceptable again. Chicken never became acceptable. And so I, th I had about six to eight weeks where I could go back to a, a diet that resembled something of a human diet. Yeah. And then around 20 to 24 weeks, most of the aversions came back again. However, I was able to eat fruit and that was a, a nice addition. And then essentially immediately after Everett was born, it, it all went away. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been that way since? Every once in a while, I still question whether or not I want to eat chicken, but nothing compared to what I experienced during pregnancy. And do you think it's more of a texture aversion? It's interesting because the aversion had to do with flavor, texture, smell, just about anything that you can think of. <laughs> the thought of it made me nauseous. Seeing it close enough was okay, but if putting it in my mouth would just 
I would become immediately nauseous off of the both smell and flavor usually. Now, is there anything that tended to at least help with the nausea when it occurred? Any tricks, tips? Interestingly enough, coffee. And something that I was concerned about is, can I have coffee? Am I (laughs) doing something wrong in drinking coffee? And so I talked to my doctor, thumbs up on that. And I was told that I was allowed to have two eight ounce cups of coffee a day. That did make it so that the nausea was a little bit more controlled and I could generally go about my day. Though it was rarely a good day from that standpoint. I remember it. <laughs> yeah, I just, I remember we would get to the gym at like way before the crack of dawn, something yeah. like 4 a.m. We would do some weight training. And I actually, in my second trimester, we got to my highest weight with respect to deadlifts. That was impressive. You're killing it. Yeah. I I tried to make it a point to stick with working because I felt like it would make my life much easier after the pregnancy. And I don't know if I did or if it didn't. (laughs) It certainly became very difficult to keep up with after the pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. We we eventually got to, I think, just floating around on a stability bowl. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Stretching. And what was very interesting is that my physical fitness kept improving throughout the pregnancy up until about two weeks before Everett was born. And it was a very sudden change where everything just felt too heavy, too exhausting. Like, yeah, because he's sucking the energy. You're not able to eat much, yep. and then the baby's taking extra energy from you. So exactly. this like constant state of fatigue. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, while working in a law firm. While working at a law firm. Yes. <laughs> Which in itself is exhausting. Very much. So you're basically super mom. If that's what you want to call me, I'll take it. <laughs> Now, I know a lot of women, when they experience pregnancy because of the added weight, um, especially being in the front of their body, their back gets overworked. Did you also experience like back issues or not really? I didn't experience any lower back issues until that very last part of pregnancy, a few weeks leading up to Everett being born. And prior to that, I think like you're not really supposed to lay down flat on your back. So I didn't. But. That did create some strain in my in my core muscles, just laying flat on the ground. So I'd have to lay on my side, which is completely okay because at some point in pregnancy, you're really not supposed to lay down flat on your back. That's good to know. Yep. Yep. Well, hopefully the the work and effort we put into the strength training, maybe that helped prevent some of the com- more common low back and issues and things like that. I certainly think that I was very physically able during the pregnancy, despite not being able to eat. And I attribute that 100% to the work we did. Cool. That's awesome. Now, we had another fun challenge post-pregnancy. You had this joint laxity thing going on. Yes. So I'm sure Brandon can speak more to this, but I just know the generalities of it. During pregnancy, there's hormones that increase your flexibility and your joint flexibility so that you can eventually birth the baby. And that kind of sticks around for for a while after pregnancy. Just getting back to working out, what was interesting with added flexibility and various parts hurting because they were overextending that they shouldn't. Yeah. But I think eventually that mostly wears off. I just think it's a good point to make. So women who have just delivered, when they go back to exercise, that might be something to expect. And it's important not to just jump in exactly where you were because your body's gone through a massive change 
And my, my main rule is if it hurts, don't do it. So we tried hard to listen to your body and we kept modifying to make sure we found exercises that were still safe and effective, but didn't create any complications with this newfound joint laxity. Yeah. After you have the baby, the doctor will tell you not to work out or do any strenuous exercise for an extended period of time. I think that was very challenging because I was still of the mentality of, I really enjoy doing this. I want to get back to it and thinking I could get back to it, to where we were doing it at the same level. We were doing it maybe just a month ago. And that was nowhere near the case. Just the delivery itself takes a lot out of you. Yeah. Yeah. We at The Fire Within always suggest following your doctor's recommendation. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not meant to be used as medical advice. Consult your doctor before implementing any health or exercise changes. The Fire Within encourages you to do your own research and aims to spark interest and motivation to a healthier lifestyle. Have you ever felt like you were just throwing weights around like an idiot at the gym, hoping to see some results? Or after weeks or months of working out, notice that the scale just isn't moving? You wouldn't cook without a recipe. So why would you train or start a weight loss program like the Swedish chef randomly throwing ingredients into a pot? You need a sustainable plan that's science-based and attainable. Fire Within has worked with thousands of clients and helped them reach their goals. So visit firewithinnf.com today. Get yourself the free ebook, read the testimonials, and choose a service that works for you. Choose from services like one-on-one nutrition coaching, one-on-one personal training, and more. Again, that's firewithinnf.com. It's important to listen to your body. Uh, definitely listen to your doctor. And uh, But as, as, a, as a health professional, it's really important to always check in with, with who you're working with, how they're feeling. And if something doesn't feel right, even if it's approved by their doctor, maybe still consider modifying just to keep everything safe. But yeah, I got pretty creative and we, we learned all kinds of ways to work out without aggravating, especially your knees. Yeah, yeah. And it sounded like a lot of that was from carrying Everett up and down the stairs. Yeah, so that's an, my knees are just an annoying and interesting factor in that they didn't start to bother me until, again, the two weeks before I had Everett, and they still bother me today. And so we're thinking it has to do with the added weight that came in towards the very end and then continued because of carrying Everett. And it's just something that we're having to work around, and you're getting creative. And a lot <laughs> of times we have to go through a lot of versions of an exercise to get it to where... It's the right version for me, but we get it done. And it changes day to day. Um, it does. Just biomechanically. So the listeners kind of have an idea what can happen. Why would carrying somebody up the stairs aggravate the knees specifically? The more weight in front of your body, we tend to put more pressure on our forefoot. And then to stabilize that weight, you have even more going down through your quads, forefoot, which all is going to impact the patella at the knees. So a good rule of thumb, anytime carrying something, whether it's up the stairs or not, is get it as close to your center of gravity, as close to your body as you can. And the further away out, even inches exponentially become more and more weight on certain joints. Now, when you have a wiggling toddler, you don't always have the luxury of it staying put where you want it. And that is correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but man, is he cute. For now, we're keeping him, but I'll let you know. <laughs> At least 18 years. At least 18 years. <laughs> I don't remember what movie it was, but in the previews, it was always, this is why animals eat their young. <laughs> Absolutely adorable, though. Have you had any challenges with Everett picky eating, things like that? 
So I think that eating in some shape or form has always been a challenge. And in some ways, I think we actually have it fairly easy with Everett. I think that there's worse case scenarios than Everett. But ever since day one, whatever is eating and however is eating has been a challenge. I, I went into motherhood with the assumption and extreme desire that I'm going to breastfeed. And the plan was to breastfeed him for the entire first year. The saying is breast is best, right? It's what's best for the baby. And again, there's professionals that can speak to that. That was my assumption that I can do that and my desire to do that. And the night that Everett was born, my husband and I got worried that he might not be getting enough. And we did not know what that meant. We did not know if it was the case. He just seemed to not be comfortable. And so we called in the nurse and the nurse is like, no, everything seems fine. Your milk supply is probably not that high. It'll increase. Just keep doing what you're doing. And we actually, for various reasons, had to stay in the hospital two nights, supposed to one night after he was born. And and that second day, we were still concerned, and we actually ordered a supply of breast milk that the hospital has. We bought it for him, fed him, and he seemed a lot more comfortable at that point. The initial first few weeks, we did discover that I did not have enough supply. We tried, I think, three different lactation specialists, tried all sorts of lactation cookies, tried drinking a whole lot of water. Nothing really worked. We were supplementing with formula because, and I made it a goal to try and pump as much possible for him so that he can get the as much benefit as possible. I was getting about four ounces worth of milk a day, whereas Everett eventually ended up eating 40 ounces of milk a day, which is a lot for an infant. In his first year, at some point, pumping with the lack of supply, we, we did switch to entirely formula, and he was on formula for the milk portion of what he was eating. And around four months is when we introduced him to solid foods. His first solid food was a mushed-up banana. He was really intrigued by it. Probably had about 10 bites before he gave up, which we, we thought was pretty good. And then we continued with that mushed up banana for a few days and slowly introduced, I think it was avocado next. Something that I really appreciate from our pediatrician is that he warned me that you want to, in these early stages, introduce them to as many possible foods as you can so that they develop the, the desire to try new foods. And around 18 months is usually when a lot of kids become very picky. And so before that time, you want them to have a nice variety of food they're willing to eat. He seemed pretty accepting to a lot of the different ones. Was there Early on, he was very accepting. There was very few foods that he didn't like. And around 10 months, he would just start eating off of our plate. And so it was a mixture of eating off of our plate, wherever we were eating. A little bit of charade baby food that I would make on my own, and then also formula. As he hit 18 months... <clears throat> Our pediatrician was right. He got increasingly pickier. Luckily enough, I can't say that he reduced his diet to macaroni and cheese and chicken nuggets, which is, I think, a cup. Yeah, the white diet. So my 14-year-old does, yeah. But 
what we're dealing with right now is the toddler emotion side of things where he can't decide what he wants. During dinner time, it um, might be hard to get him to eat dinner. And that at a specific time, we might be having beans for dinner. And he decides he doesn't like beans. Yesterday, beans were his favorite thing. Yeah. But he'll be picky about when he eats, and he'll also be picky about what he eats. Now, have you tried anything like uh, zinc or to see if it would change his uh, preferences? We were told by our pediatrician that vitamin D supplementation is what he needs and not to really mess with anything else. So that's what we are sticking with. The variety of foods that he's eating, not necessarily a concern. It's when he wants to eat them. Oh, I see. That is, is our challenge. One of his favorite foods is broccoli. I'm very grateful for because as far as I know, broccoli is great for you. But uh, yesterday he threw his broccoli across the room. (laughs) (laughs) I have vivid memories of my younger brother throwing spaghetti at my mom and some of it sticking to the wall. (laughs) That happens a lot. Actually, when we, we recently moved out of our house, I had to clean a lot of spaghetti and other foods off the walls. Reminds me of dodgeball. If you could dodge a wrench, you could dodge a dodgeball. <laughs> you were talking about your son having a hard time deciding what to eat. And I know they're not super articulate, but I think that's a problem that adults have. As you know, <laughs> oh my gosh, my wife especially. I think uh, we never really quite figure that out. I heard I was doing a podcast and somebody brought up in Amarillo, Texas, that their favorite restaurant that they go to, it's a sports bar and pub. It's called I Don't Care. <laughs> I was just over here looking it up and there's all they're all over there's one in Virginia there's one in New York there's a Chinese place in Rochester they just name them I don't know yeah. so then when people are like what do you want to eat tonight Ooh. I don't know maybe they've I don't know if that works for them yeah. when I was going to college in Minneapolis there was a bar on the Minnesota campus there the U of University of Minnesota that was called the library. And I think that was their shtick too. So if the parents called, they're like, where are you at? I'm, I'm at the library. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Chapel Hill, you know, UNC Chapel Hill used to have a bar called the library for that very reason. <laughs> I don't uh, know if it's still there. That's awesome. Now with uh, your kids, Joe, did they have some fun picky eating episodes? Were they pretty much okay with most things? They definitely went through phases. And I'm not even sure that they've even grown out of them. If you ask... My 14-year-old, what she wants to eat every time, the answer will be Chick-fil-A. It doesn't matter <laughs> how many times you ask her. But they currently, they eat more stuff. But I think when they were younger, we always tried to, I think most parents probably do, you got to try it first. And you're trying to le- get your kid to taste it at least so that they can get past that. Because every kid lies, right? Like, I don't like that. Have you had it? No. Oh. <laughs> I, mean, I don't like it. They don't think of it as it's just like a standard kid. <laughs> no, I don't like that because it's not what I want. It's what their brains think. Yeah, it's not a cookie. We dealt with this morning. He's been having bananas every day this week for breakfast. And today he says, no, I don't like bananas, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when your kids get older too, then... I've had the reverse happen. They used to eat very plain. And then as they get older, they start to branch out. The first time my daughter put everything on a hamburger, got it like all the way decked out with the mayo and the lettuce and the, she like got mad. She was like, why didn't you tell me about this? This is so much better. (laughs) (laughs) I tried. (laughs) Why didn't you tell me about this? But yeah, so with with Everett, he, mac and cheese luckily is not his only food, but he one of his favorite foods. He's only allowed to have mac and cheese if we are at a restaurant. 
That's a good rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. That's the most depressing part to get mac and cheese because you pay $7 for craft and it just hurts my spirit. <laughs> <laughs> it comes out and you can tell it's like poorly assembled craft mac and cheese. Yes. Yeah, this is true, but it's, he loves it, and so it's worth it. According to the Mayo Clinic and Dr. Kelly Dorfman, there's a strategy to help picky eaters, at least incorporating a few new foods, if, if your child is one of those. And uh, Dr. Kelly Dorfman, for instance, uh, her book is called How to Cure Your Child with Food. It's fantastic. She recommends taking one food at a time and just letting them try one bite. So that's the only rule. They don't have to like it, but they just have to take one bite. If they like it, great, add it to the rotation. If they eat it, but they don't vomit and they'll tolerate it, still add it to the rotation, but maybe not as often. But obviously we don't want to be forcing them to vomit. So if if it's just not going to go down, that's something else. But, and in conjunction with that, sometimes a reward program for some kids is helpful. I've had parents do a calendar type thing and each night they get their sticker for trying their new food. There's either a weekly reward or if there's so many for the whole month, there's a bigger monthly rewards. So let's say you set the goal at five of the seven nights a week. If they try the new food, maybe they get a small prize like uh, a lollipop or something healthier, like more broccoli. That would do it. No, <laughs> no, but but that might be a good idea. And then just so that they're not discouraged if they have a really bad week and give up altogether, let them know by the end of the month, if they average a certain amount, maybe you take them to Chuck E. Cheese or something like that. Every parent's dream place. <laughs> so I got to say, I found the the reward aspect when dealing with a toddler. Very intriguing to say least. We're currently working on potty training. And so one recommendation is that at every successful trip to the potty, you get one M&M. Sometimes <laughs> we have a lot of false trips to the bathroom. <laughs> to get M&Ms. Yeah, that's right. And sometimes we have some more negotiations or miscounting. How much should we be using food to reward our kids. It could be playtime. It could be something that encourages healthy behaviors that they enjoy as a reward too. It could be, hey, we're going to go pet some animals. And stickers are always a a good one for uh, toddlers. Kids will do anything for a sticker. I used to take piano lessons and if I practiced, I got to put a sticker on the page (laughs) and I got to pick out what color, which was awesome. They were all stars, but it was like red, gold, green, blue, and some other color. Yeah. Man, there's nothing more motivating than taking that sticker off. And if it was a scratch and sniff, get out of town. (laughs) So Everett went through a phase where every day he would be leaving school with a sticker on his forehead. And apparently he and one of his friends got into this teen every day where they'd put a sticker on each other's head and you were not allowed to remove it. (laughs) But I think that's a really important point is analyze what the reward system is. And is it in the long run, is it encouraging good behaviors or bad behaviors? It could be even movie time as a maybe game time together. I really like the idea of getting to pet animals. I think that's cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe at the end of the month, if they do really good, we can get a goldfish. (laughs) They're pretty hardy fish. They're hard to kill. Might end up getting a lot of animals in yeah, that's true. Cool zoo. <laughs> so maybe just getting to visit or maybe we'll go to the science museum and then they're learning. Yeah. Uh, and there's all kinds of like the Marbles Kids Museum. What is the reward system actually encouraging? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've talked a little bit about some of the trials with pregnancy and how that can affect diet and, and exercise. When We talked a little bit about picky eating and I think some of the major takeaways here is to understand that challenges are coming. And I think from an exercise standpoint, listening to your body, listening to your doctor as well is important, but 
continuing some form of safe exercise may be beneficial to your spine health, especially. And then if you do end up with the morning sickness, which not all women going through pregnancy have the same issues, do your best to get in as much nutrients as you can. Bone broth might be a way to still get in. Uh, protein and collagen in a way that doesn't turn you off, or maybe that's still not going to work. But work with a, a health provider that can help you navigate that if you're lost so that it's not hopeless and just crackers and nothing else entirely. It may take some trial and error, and it might just be a period of really awfulness, but you'll get through it. <laughs> Mentally, was there anything that was helpful during that time? I think just trying to get as much sleep as possible was very helpful. And that in itself is a challenge because during pregnancy, a lot of times uh, I was exhausted but couldn't sleep. So that was a, a great combination there. I really have to give a, a lot of credit to the workouts that we did and the work that we did together because I think that was great for my mental health. I had much happier and more physically able pregnancy thanks to that. That's awesome. And then what would be your advice to anybody uh, looking to get pregnant or just finishing uh, after delivery? I think it's different for each stage. I think looking to get pregnant and just do your best to, uh, to get your exercise in, whatever that may be for you, and go into it as healthy as you can. While you're pregnant, just expect that things are going to change after you have the baby and just try and take it a little easy. It's probably not the time to be doing something new in your life at that point and do, you know, the physical activity that is best for you at the time and eat the nutritious food that you can eat. Yeah. So don't join the second trimester bungee jumping club then? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. And then after you have your baby, everybody says it and I didn't follow it, but you got to sleep when the baby sleeps because otherwise you will not be sleeping. <laughs> That's good sage advice. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. If somebody wanted to reach you, maybe for uh, commercial litigation or, or any of the things you do, how would they contact you? Sir, you can email me at a.anderson, A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N, andersonlegalnc.com. She does great work. She's actually empathetic. She's worked with some of my friends and helped somebody with a messed up lease situation and they left very happy. So feel free to contact her. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. If you did, uh, go check us out at firewithinnf.com. You can subscribe to our newsletters and make sure you never miss an episode or any other content. Also, be sure to follow us on social media.